welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Today, we are continuing our series in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, called Our All-Sufficient Savior. This week, we come to the name Mighty God. We encourage you to open up your Bibles and follow along with Pastor Roy. As we have several baptisms that we'll be sharing uh, later in the service, so we're excited about that, and I think we have some visitors here uh, to be a part of that as well, so we're glad that you are here with us. Last week, we started a series um, on the Savior, our all-sufficient Savior, Mighty God, uh, based on the passage in Isaiah 9:6, unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. And so today we're going to focus on Mighty God. I have found these in restaurants, movie houses, uh, malls. Uh, they're across the nation. Uh, you've seen them. Uh, stuffed animals inside a machine uh, called the claw. It has a big crane-like arm. You have to put coins in the machine, and that arm, then you've got to hit buttons to navigate that arm, and it kind of, eh, eh, eh. and you try to pick up a stuffed animal, right? Um, those machines are a royal ripoff, okay? They really are. I mean, we had a family member, it wasn't Pam, uh, that loved to play that thing. You know, put the coins, and I'm like, oh, not again, not again, because inevitably, 99 times out of 100, you come up empty, or about half the time, it picks the toy up, and about halfway over, it drops it, right? And then the kid's like disappointed, you know, doesn't get the, the prize. Um, and I think about that because I think about maybe we treat God the same way. We treat God that, you know, if I can just put in my 50 cents worth of prayers... And to move the arm of God, and God's up there, and we're trying to hit the buttons and just get it just right over our prayer so that God will drop down and pick up our prayer request and bring it over and actually do something on our behalf. I mean, I think that's sometimes our mentality, that if we just can say the right words in our prayer, if we can just do the right things and, and I don't know, have the right inflection in our voice and the right emotion, amount of tears, and maybe somehow God's going to answer the prayer. Um, he is a mighty God, and he can do far more than we can possibly imagine. But, you know, it's, it's just such a letdown when you go to get that toy, and it's just, it's just a real letdown. And um, remind me of the guy who was an avid Cleveland Browns football fan, and when he passed away, he said, I want Cleveland Brown football players to be my pallbearers so they can let me down one more time. <laughs> um, I mean, <laughs> the letdown, you know. Every Browns fan understands the letdown. In fact, my brother's a police officer in Springfield Township, and he said the joke going around now in Cleveland is that if a Cleveland uh, police officer pulls you over, and gives you, uh, he gives you a Cleveland Browns ticket. And then if he pulls you over again, they make you use it. So it's like, it's pretty crazy. 
um, just to be let down, though. And some, there are some people, and maybe you're even here today, that you feel that God has let you down. In some way, shape, or form, you just feel like God has let me down. And I want to encourage you, God has not let a person down. And I hope that as we study the mighty God, and I'm going to kind of do the same format that I did last week. Why do we need a mighty God? Who is this mighty God? And what does this mighty God do? Uh, so let's look at this uh, together. If we can get it to advance. Maybe it's not set on the right thing. But anyhow, why do we need a mighty God? First, because we face spiritual battles we cannot win on our own. There we go. We face spiritual battles we cannot win on our own. I am powerless to defeat the devil in my own strength, and so are you. We have to remember the devil has 2,000 years of experience. He's also a supernatural being that we do not match up with him in the flesh. It's impossible. Outside of mighty God, we have no person, we have no resource, we have no power, we have no strength against the devil. And he's going to come against us. He's going to oppose us. And the only way we can gain victory is through the Lord Jesus Christ, this mighty God. Here's, let's be reminded, Ephesians 6.12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In other words, we are not facing just a physical battle. We are facing a spiritual battle, evil. Yes, there are demons, Yes, there are evil forces in the world um, that oppose God's people, that oppose his church. And we have to remember, and these are cosmic powers that you and I have no means of defending ourselves against them at all. Uh, this struggle means we are in hand-to-hand -hand combat. You know, in wrestling, you need about four things to be a good wrestler. You need smarts. Speed, skill, and strength to defeat the enemy. You need all four of those. And the same is true spiritually. We need all four. We need smarts. But what kind of smarts do we need? We need the knowledge of God's word. We need speed. In other words, we need speed to obey what God has told us to do. We don't drag our feet. We need speed to obey. We need skill to apply his word to our situation. And we need supernatural strength to resist the enemy. You see, these spiritual forces have power to exercise control over people. And that's why we see many, many people with many, many addictions, because the enemy has power over their life. We can't resist. We have to submit to God. Think for a moment, one of the disciples, he faced a spiritual battle when it was toward the end of Jesus' life, there was a group of people, they were in town, and what happened? A little lady comes up to Peter and says, well, aren't you one of his followers? Aren't you one of his disciples? Aren't you one of those? No. And what did he do? Three times he had a chance. He failed all three spiritual battles. Why? To show us that in the flesh we are going to fail. And, and, you know, it's a prime example, and no matter who we are, and even as followers of Christ, we can be challenged 
and we have to be on our knees in prayer before this mighty God to help us. The second reason uh, we need a mighty God is not just to face spiritual battles we cannot win on our own, but because we are confronted with situations beyond our human resources. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. I get that there. We are confronted with situations beyond our human resources. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. You hear that? That's Paul talking. So that we despaired even of life. In other words, Paul's like, we feel the, in our, in our hearts, he says, we feel the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on mighty God who raises the dead. So Paul was saying, we have to trust in the Lord because do you find yourself ever under great pressure? Financial pressure, work pressure, career pressure, relationship pressure. Um, there's a lot of pressures in life that come at us. Personal pressure, um, just feeling overwhelmed with everything that I've got to do. Um, it could be a spiritual challenge. We are confronted, though, with these situations that are beyond our ability. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Do you know what the Bible says the thorn in the flesh was? It was a messenger of Satan to torment him. That's spiritual warfare. It's a spiritual battle. There are things we cannot handle on our own. Three times he asked God to take it away, and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Mighty God's grace is sufficient. It is equal to the task, and we can remember that. So who is this mighty God? I'm glad to report he's a mighty warrior. You see, so often we think about mighty God like Jesus in the New Testament. Robe, sandals, meek, mild, humble, not ruffling, you know. Um, he is a mighty warrior. Um, the first, and, and actually let me give you the original word that is used for the word mighty in Isaiah 9-6. It's called Gabor. Say Gabor. Gabor. Now you know a Hebrew word. Gabor. It means warrior. He is a mighty warrior. And he's also a proven warrior. What it means is God has proven himself in battle because he's never lost a battle. He has never lost a military campaign, and no one's ever come close to defeating Almighty God, ever. Proven warrior means he is seasoned. He's a seasoned warrior. He is an experienced warrior, champion. And actually, the very first time this word is used is clear back in the book of Genesis in chapter 6, verse 4, where it talks about um, uh, people getting together and having children, and it talks about them being heroes. It actually uses the word hero, champion. And when it talks about uh, Goliath being a champion warrior, he was a Gabor. He was a warrior. And so God is a mighty warrior. This word is used 159 times in the Old Testament. 159 times. 
Uh, in 2 Kings 24, 16, it speaks of 7,000 fighting men. It says, strong and fit for war. That's God. He's fit for battle. Do you know why he's fit for battle? Because we're in a spiritual conflict. We just said we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We are in a spiritual battle, but we have a God who is able to give us victory because he's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. Secondly, he is all-powerful. He is known for his superior strength, his unmatched skill, his unlimited power, his unflinching courage, his surpassed knowledge. He is a very able ruler. He is all-powerful. Jesus said, all power on heaven and earth has been given to me. He's an all-powerful, almighty, mighty God. He is also our great God and Savior. In Titus 2.13, it says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. At the funeral of Louis XIV, the great cathedral was packed with mourners who were paying their final tribute to the king, whom they all considered great. The room was dark save for one lone candle, which illumined the great solid casket that held the mortal remains of the monarch. At the appointed time, the court preacher stood to address the assembled clergy of France. As he rose, he reached from the pulpit, and he snuffed out the one candle which had been put there to symbolize the greatness of the king. And then from the darkness came just four words, God only is great. And it's true. He's the mighty God. He only is great. What does this mighty God do? Four things we're going to talk about. First, he creates by the power of his word. He spoke this world into existence by the word of his power, and he holds it together. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things, listen, by his powerful word. His powerful word. It tells us in Colossians 1.15, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by Him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. You see, Mark Batterson talks in his book called The Grave Robber. He talks about the rotation of the earth. And it's interesting, here's what he says. You may feel as if you're sitting still right now, but it's an illusion of miraculous proportions. Planet Earth, listen to this, planet Earth is spinning around its axis at a speed of 1,000 miles per hour <laughs> right now. That's why some of you are getting sleepy, probably you're getting rocked to sleep. Um, it's spinning around at 1,000 miles an hour every 24 hours, Planet Earth pulls off a celestial 360. We're hurtling through space at an average velocity of 67,108 miles per hour. That's not just faster than a speeding bullet. 
it's 87 times faster than the speed of sound. So even on a day when you feel like you didn't do much, don't forget you did travel 1,599,793 miles through space. To top things off, the Milky Way is spinning like a galactic pinwheel at the dizzying rate of 483,000 miles per hour. Do we have a mighty God? Isn't that miraculous? Yet when was the last time you thanked God for keeping us in orbit? I'm guessing you've never prayed, Lord, I wasn't sure we'd make the full rotation today. But you did it again. We just don't pray that way. And the ultimate irony is this. We already believe God for the big miracles because they're no big deal. The trick is trusting him for the little ones. He creates by the power of his word. And, and we, we see creation all the time, so I think we forget. We forget to marvel at the mighty God and what he has made. I mean, to look in the face of a baby and to see the miracle of birth in a baby, the miracle of life, the power of God's word, speaking everything into existence that we can see and things that we can't see. Secondly, he commands angels to do his bidding. He commands angels to do his bidding. I just want to mention uh, four things, and there's a lot more, I'm sure, but four things that angels do. Number one, they direct their worship toward God. In Isaiah 6.3, it says, They were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Why? Because mighty God is worthy of our worship, and he's the only one that is worthy of our worship. So they direct their worship toward God. The second thing they do is they destroy. God uses them to destroy. They destroy cities. They destroy people. Um, they destroy. In Isaiah 37, 33, it says, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. Remember, Assyria is ready to come in and attack his people. And here's what God says. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. He's saying he ain't even going to come and shoot a single arrow. <laughs> How does God know that? He's mighty God. He can totally disarm people. And then it says this, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. One angel destroyed 185,000 people. Is he a mighty God? <laughs> Is he worthy of our worship? A dad was sharing a story with uh, about when his mother died. And the family gathered at the funeral home, and some of the family was trying to explain to a little five-year-old boy why grandma's body was there, but the spirit was gone. That's really hard for a child to understand. And so they're trying to explain, this is just grandma's body. Her spirit went to heaven to be with God. And he was having trouble understanding that. And while they were there visiting, 
there was a second floor in the room they were in, and they, all of a sudden he heard footsteps running across the floor uh, up above him on the ceiling. And he said, Daddy, Daddy, the angels are coming to get Grandma. <laughs> and so kids even try to have an understanding of how that works. They also deliver. Daniel 3.28, Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. They were in the fiery furnace. No smoke was even on their clothes. The Bible says the angel of God delivered them. In Daniel chapter 6, we see the same thing. Daniel's down the lion's den. The king is nervous and he didn't sleep very well that night and rushes over and he says he comes near the den and he cries out, Daniel, oh Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you faithfully serve been able to deliver you from the lions? Daniel said, O oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel who shut the mouths of the lions. You see, is God able that was the question the king asked. Is God able to deliver you? Think about the faith of the king if God had not delivered Daniel. What would that have done to the faith of the king? Well, I guess God wasn't able. I guess he wasn't as mighty as Daniel thought. It actually gave the king faith to trust this mighty God, to believe in the ability of God that he is faithful and he is able to do what he says he can do. Peter also, when he was in prison in Acts chapter 12, it says the angel came in, smote him on the side, told him to get up. The chains fell off his arms. He walks out. The angel leads him out of the prison. God is able to deliver. He's also, God's angels are able to defend to defend. In Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Here's what I want us to know, because when I was thinking about angels, it's like, how many of you have seen an angel? Now, I know when I did my ordination council, I had a group of, you know, pastors and church leaders there. They were asking me all kind of doctrinal questions, and one of the things they talked about was angelology. And one of the questions they asked me, and it was, it was really more for fun than anything, they said, well, how many angels fit on the head of a pin? And I said, well, I don't know, but I know I married one. <laughs> and the guy's like, heresy! <laughs> um, but they are able to do all these things. Angels, direct their worship, destroy, deliver, and defend. Now, here's the thing. Most of us probably have no idea if we've ever seen an angel. It's possible that we have because the Bible says we entertain angels unawares. But here's one thing I know for absolute certainty, that God is at work behind the scenes. You see, we can only see the physical, visible world. This tells me there is an invisible world that is out there that God is working at. And we can't always prove. I can't prove you know, how God has protected me through my life, but I got to believe that there's been times where angels have directed in my life and your life as well. I mean, I remember as a little boy, and I shared with you a number of years ago, when I was just a little boy, 
throwing darts with my brother, and I went up and stood in front of the board, and uh, he wanted me to move because he wanted to throw a dart, and I said, I'm not moving. Go ahead and throw the dart because I'm not moving. I was really stupid. But I stood there, and he threw the dart, which was even really more stupid. But anyhow, the dart did not put my eye out. It hit me in the head. I haven't been right since, but that's another story. But here's the thing. God defends us even from our stupidity sometimes. There's angels that protect us. Accidents and things that could happen. I think about the things that happen. Um, So be encouraged that when you can't see God at work, know that He is working behind the scenes. He is absolutely at work. And we need to believe that and see that. That's what I want us to see. God is up to something. Thirdly, he converts people through the power of the cross. This is mighty God. He converts people through the power of the cross. He moves us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, from the bondage of sin to the freedom of righteousness. God is able to do that. And here's what he says. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved... It is the power of God because he changes somebody from the inside out. Those cosmic powers that we wrestle against, those evil forces that we wrestle against have to let go. Why? Because Colossians 2, 15 tells us that when Jesus went to the cross, he disarmed the authorities and the rulers of darkness. He disarmed them. Why? Through the power of his death on the cross. And that's why we preach that message because there's no other way for someone to be converted from sin to salvation except through the cross of Jesus Christ. I can't turn over a new leaf. I can't just change my mind and change my behavior. And, you know, psychology would say, oh, behavior modification. Behavior modification cannot give you a new heart. Only God can. It can't give you a new mind. Only God can. But God can transform you from the inside out. He converts people through the power of the cross. That is the mighty God that we serve. And I'm so glad that he does. The Bible, Paul says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to salvation. To everyone who believes, it is the power of God, the gospel And that's why Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, the gospel is not something that man made up. It's not something that we devised and we wrote down and we decided, well, this is how it's going to work. No, the Bible is, is supernatural revelation from God. It is special revelation from God. And that's why when we preach that special revelation, the Holy Spirit of God touches a heart and shows them their darkness and shows them their sin and points out their need of Christ and the conviction and guilt that comes, that is the Holy Spirit. That's not me. That's not any other preacher. It's not Billy Graham. It is the power of God, mighty God, who does that. And we can't do that. So I'm thankful he converts people. The Bible says that the law of the Lord is perfect, converting or reviving the soul. He gives life to that person. Fourthly, he carries our burdens as we give them to him. Remember my little illustration at the beginning? I know it's a little humorous. The little claw. And 
then it picks it up and just kind of, and it drops it. God never drops a prayer request. He never drops something that we are trying to give him, a burden. Oh, he's like, no, you know, I, I, I'm burdened out. <laughs> I, I, I'm stressed out. I, you, you've had your quota. <laughs> I can't take any more requests from you today. I'm having a bad hair day. No, God will carry every one of our burdens if we're willing to give them to him. That's why he says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. All your anxiety on him. What is stressing you out right now? What is troubling you? Maybe it's the burden of insecurity. What about it? Insecurity? What does insecurity breed? Fear. It breeds fear. Does God give us a spirit of fear? It comes from the enemy. You see, some people are afraid to even try to serve in the church because I might fail. So I won't serve because I don't want to fail, and it's my insecurity that causes me to be fearful, and that burden of insecurity is robbing me, and God says, I'll carry your insecurity. Because I can tell you, as a pastor, you can have I can have insecurity. And I have to give that insecurity to the Lord and let Him carry it. Say, God, here's my insecurity. And, and God does that. He carries it for us when we give it to Him. The Bible says perfect love does what? Help me out. It casts out fear. So mighty God's perfect love gives me security, and that security drives away fear. And how do I get that? I get that from drawing close to mighty God. How do I draw close to mighty God? Through prayer and through reading his word. And here's what it says in Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, what is that telling me? To be in the shadow of the Almighty is to be in the presence of God. And when I'm in the presence of God, I'm as secure as I'm ever going to be. Because the Bible says he is a rock and a refuge and a fortress. And so whenever it uses that word shadow, sometimes shadow talks about death in the Bible. David talked about, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, being a shadow. But here he's talking about God's protection. When I'm in the shadow of his wings, I am in, under the protection and the care and provision of God. And that's a great place to be. He that dwells in the secret place, in the shelter of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And when it talks about abiding there, it's saying to take up residence and to stay there for a while. To abide there, to stay there for a period of time. I don't have to leave. I can stay under the shadow of his wings. He says in Psalm 17, 8, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. In Psalm 57, 1, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge in the shadow of your wings. I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. 
Notice he says, we'll abide under the shadow of what? Almighty God. Mighty God. I abide by. When we live within the biblical boundaries that God has ordained for us to live in, we will enjoy the shadow of the presence of God. That's why it pays to walk in obedience to God because you see the shadow of God is not necessarily over the whole earth, but it is over those who are His. And He protects us. You say, what about these people that, you know, get shot and those that... Well, God, I don't understand the mind of God, the heart of God. I just know that I'm going to live out all the days, and you're going to live out all the days that God has ordained for us to live. I will not die one minute sooner or one minute later than God intends. But I can move with security that God is in charge. It's interesting, when he delivered the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage, do you remember it says, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. God's power. He is a mighty God. He is a mighty God. What about the burden of guilt? Are you under the burden of guilt? You know what the burden of guilt does? It makes me feel unworthy. And the reality is I am unworthy and I am guilty before a holy God, but God can take my guilt and my unworthiness for one reason, the cross. He died on the cross for my guilt of my sin. He died on the cross for my unworthiness that I could be forgiven. And the Bible says there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ, which means he's removed my guilt He's removed my unworthiness and he's clothed me in the robe of righteousness. Not because of all the good things I've done. It's because of all the things I couldn't do that he did for me. So what burden are you struggling with that God wants to carry? There was a pastor who was busy in his study. A little boy was looking at a book of pictures by the fireside he suddenly wanted a large book that he wanted to look at upstairs, and he asked his son to go up and get the book. His son was away for a long time, and the father heard the sound of, of him sobbing on the stairs. He went out, and he went to the top of the staircase, and he asked his son, what's, what's wrong? He said, oh, Daddy. He said, I tried to carry the book, but it's too heavy. In a moment, the father was up the stairs. He scoops up the sobbing boy and the heavy book and carries him downstairs. And then his dad thought for a moment, isn't that what God does for us? When life is too heavy, when the burden is too great, and I'm sitting there sobbing because I can't get to where I need to go, God comes and he scoops us up and takes us where we need to go. He is a mighty God. He carries our burdens as we give them to Him. Don't carry what God wants to carry. Give it to Him. Maybe you're here this morning, you're carrying around your sin. God wants to take your sin. He took Him upon the cross. He wants to take your sin. He converts people through the power of the cross. That's mighty God. He disarmed the authorities that we could be forgiven.
Let me close with these words of Henry Smith. He's talking about God. He is able, more than able, to accomplish what concerns me today. He is able, more than able, to handle anything that comes my way. He is able, more than able, to do much more than I could ever dream. He is able, more than able, to make me what he wants me to be. Let's stand for a word of prayer. We are not finishing our service because we have baptism. But I just want you to reflect for a moment upon the message. For a moment. Dr. Lowen's going to come and, and pray. But right before he prays, I just want to ask you how are you doing with Mighty God? How are you doing in the spiritual battle? Do you know Mighty God is sufficient? to carry anything that we have. He has angels to dispatch at his command. He spoke this world into existence. He can do whatever we need him to do for his honor and glory. The protection of being under his wings. My insecurity becomes secure when I'm close to mighty God. Let's trust him for our lives. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.